but how do we how do we experience the fruit of that spirit you know and and Jesus says if any man comes to me I will cause a river of living water to flow from his innermost being if anybody comes to me I will I will take away the burdens of those who are heavy laden I'll give them drink and they'll never thirst again I'll give them food they'll never hunger again so how do we how do we get access to the food and to the drink that God provides, you know, because as Christians, you know, we don't, we're not always eating that food. We're not always feeling that the, the quench, the, uh, the thirst quenching presence of God. A lot of times we're eating, eating the bread that the world has to offer and it turns into mold in our mouth and, you know, we're, we're putting money in our pocket and, and the money's falling out of a hole in our pocket, and we feel like, we feel kind of empty, you know, and the the gospel that Jesus comes to present is he comes to give us an abundant life. He comes to give us a life where we're intimate with God himself, and I look at Paul, who's in jail with his hands up on the wall, and he's, he's singing praises and hymns to God, full of joy and peace, in, in a situation where most people would be crying and asking God why, he lifts up God and says, you're worthy, you're good, thank you. And just like Giselle says, the praise that we offer God is so powerful. It's so life-changing. The, the humility it takes to give God worship, it, it can change everything. It can cause you to be in jail in one moment, and then in the next moment you're walking free. It can cause you to be starving eating this bread that's, that's not actually bread. You're so hungry, and then all of a sudden, you're full. You're fulfilled with something meaningful. <clears throat> and so Jesus says, the Father is seeking those who will worship in spirit and in truth. You have to understand how important that worship is. So when we come into church and we're worshiping God and we're singing songs, if you're here just singing a song, then you're, you're wasting time. But if you're here worshiping God, giving Him your heart, authenticity, then you're doing something tremendous in the spiritual realm, s- tremendous inside of you, something that's good for you and for those around you. And you know, God God knows he's great. He doesn't need us to remind him that he's great. It's not like he forgot and he, he needs some encouragement. He has low self-esteem. It's for you. The worship is for you, for you to remember because we forget he's great. We forget how good he is and how good he treated us. And so we need to... We need to um, give him our heart. <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus is is motivated. has is has a lot of drive. I was thinking last night that you know I'm 27. Jesus, when he was on Earth, was still pretty much, um, I guess, normal as as normal he, as he can be at my age. So he's still like a carpenter. He hasn't gone into his public ministry yet, right? So he's he's got this. 30-year investment on planet earth um where he's he's not uh he's kind of reduced himself to man almost so why does he do something like that he's deeply driven and motivated by love you know he if you look at jesus on the cross he that's that's the whole purpose he comes here to die on a cross to take your sin he he chooses the sinner's cross and in doing so, he takes his crown of righteousness and he puts it on you. And he says, no greater love 
is this that a man laid down his life for his friends. So everything he does is for love. A lot of times when Jesus talks, it doesn't sound loving. You know, he's kind of stern sometimes. And he says things how it is. And it makes people angry. But you have to understand that it's because he loves. It's because he loves you so much he has to speak the truth. So everything he does is motivated out of love. And so he loves you. He came to rescue you, to give mercy to you, to reveal truth to you, to give forgiveness to you. Deeply motivated by love. And so if he comes here giving love, what does he want from us? He wants love. That's at, at, the, at the core of what he wants from us. He wants relationship, love. Jesus says, come to me and you'll not thirst again. Come to me, I'll remove the burden. But when we physically relocate our bodies closer to Jesus, like the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus and asked, how can I inherit eternal life? And he walked away sad. The physical relocation of the body <clears throat> into a church does not satisfy the requirement to come. But God wants something deeper that can't be seen with the eyes. <clears throat> he wants us to come with love. <clears throat> but you know, um, how, what does that mean exactly for each person? I, I can't tell you you have to do A, B, and C. And if you do that, then the river of living water will flow. I can't tell you that. And if you notice, the Bible doesn't have a list of 10 things that you can do. If you do these 10 things, the river will flow. Because part of love is figuring it out. You know, part of it is God says, come to me. And you know what that means. Come to, I, want, I need to come to him with my heart. But what does that mean for me? You need to figure it out. It's different for every person. You know, if you can imagine, if on my birthday, if I tell Kaylee, I want you to make this breakfast for me, I want you to say these things, get me this gift, where we want to go and do this thing, and at this time, this person's coming in, giving me a hug. <laughs> I, I wouldn't really, at the end of the day, feel loved. What I would prefer is for her to know me, to understand what I want, to understand what I like, and then plan that day, and then surprise me because she knows me. And so part of that love is she's figuring it out. She's figuring it out. So we need to figure out what does God want from us, from me. In, uh, in the Bible, I, I came up with a few things that I want to share that I believe that no matter how you come, they're all part of it. They're all part of the equation. Jesus uh, is in Martha and Mary's house. And Martha's in the kitchen. She's cooking, slaving. She's hot. And she's all by herself. And Mary is at his feet, just listening to eternal words. She's listening to life. And she doesn't care what anybody thinks about her. She should be in the kitchen, according to what man thinks, but she's not. And so Martha, Martha complains. And Jesus says, let me let everybody in this room who can hear me in on a little secret about life. There's only a few things that you actually need. And really, there's only one. And Mary has chosen the better and will not be taken away from her. You don't need your wife. You don't need your house. You don't need your job. You don't need food. You don't need water. You don't need air. You need the one who gives you those things. 
The, the air in your lungs was provided by God. Your heart beating is because God is doing this, making it beat. And so we need to realize we don't need anything except for him. We don't need anything at all except for him. That's why Paul, he, everything can be taken away from him. He's in the jail cell. He knows all I need is God. He can get me out. And even if he doesn't get me out, he's all I need. So Mary realizes Jesus is all he needs. I talked about it last time when, when I was preaching about how Jesus was invited in to the house of a Pharisee. So the Pharisee is coming to Jesus in a way. He's inviting him to his house. He calls him rabbi, an honorable name. He gives him food, gives him a seat at the table. But a woman, a sinner in the community, she comes again, another example of somebody at his feet with humility. And she's overwhelmed by the situation, being around God with her sin maybe. Whatever it is, she's crying. And with her tears, she washes his feet. With her hair, she dries his feet. And she's kissing him. And so she comes to God, and I want to point again to worship. She's worshiping God. She is doing what? Giving him everything. Everything. Everybody else in the room disappears, and to her, it's just her and her Lord. And she's giving him whatever she believes he is wanting from her. She's figuring out this love thing. She's figuring out the journey. He wants me to come to him. And so she comes she gives everything, and what does she get back? Everything. So she hears this, your sins are forgiven. From who? From the one who sits on the white throne. From the one who decides who goes into the lake of fire. She gets everything because he said, you're forgiven. And whoever he forgives, that's it. Nobody's going to say, but no, Jesus has spoken and he has said, you're forgiven. And so how do we come to Jesus? Come with everything. But don't think like you do in the world. When you come to God with everything, you get everything. Everything from God. <clears throat> There's another example where in the very back of the room where John's sitting, the soldier's pounding his chest. He doesn't even want to come inside. And he says, Lord, forgive me because I'm a sinner. And there's a Pharisee in the front, and he's all decked out, raising his hands to God, thanking God he's not like John. <laughs> and God, I'm not a sinner. But he left that place the same completely whole and intact with his sin. And John, who maybe said two words to God, left just like the woman who was worshiping the Lord because he was humble. Because he saw his desperate need for God. And so he comes with a humble heart and he inherits the earth. One time, I need to say that Pastor Nick's message last week was amazing, right? And everybody likes it because it's the truth. We like hearing the truth because we know God and, and we know his voice. 
And so when we hear the truth, it feels good. You know, there, there's, there's things that, there's things that we can do to open up that valve. That means there's things we can do to shut it. There's uh, one time when Pastor Nick called me up here. He had a word for me, and he's like, I need a Bible. And he didn't want an iPhone or anything. He wanted an actual Bible. And so he stuck it out to me like that. And he said, reach for it, grab it, get it. And so I reached for it and grabbed it with one hand. And then he said, you grab, you grab my word. You reach out for my word today with one hand, but you will grab for it with two. And so I, I fall on the ground. I start crying because I reached for it with one hand and not two. I should have been reaching for it with two that day. And, and in my house, I should have been reaching for God's word, hungry for it. But then I was also crying because he gave me hope. He's like, you will. You will reach for it with two hands. But the reason I'm sharing this is because God thinks this is important. He thinks that spending time in this is important. It's valuable. And if we're going to be like the humble soldier who sees his desperate need for God, we need to humble ourselves and realize we, we need to do things, anything in our power, to cause that valve to open. Not reading your word is one of those things to, that closes that valve. Not being involved in this spiritual life-giving book is, is detrimental to our soul. So if you want something that you can do, practically, that's it. Make time for that. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and so everybody hated him because he would always t gather the taxes and then get a little bit extra for his pocket, and that's how he could afford his nice clothes. But Jesus sees the man that everybody hates, and he goes and he says, I'm going to eat with you today. And being in Jesus' presence, Zacchaeus is just overcome. And he just, all of a sudden, he stands up and he's like, you know what? Everybody who I've messed up, I'm going to give them their money back, and then I'm going to give them three times, four times, whatever it was. And then you know what Jesus does? He stands up too, and he's like, this day salvation has come in this house. So he comes with repentance, and he gets salvation. You know, a lot of times we're, we're hanging on to something in life that we think we need, that we think we love, that it, it is life, but it's actually killing us. God wants us to come to him knowing that we only need him with humility, with worship, giving all of ourselves, and then with repentance. Come with a heart that is willing to let go of any sin, of anything that, that's keeping us from him. And it's, it may be painful, but it's like when a woman is giving birth, it's painful, but when the baby comes out, all that pain is forgotten to the point to where sometimes they're even crazy enough to have another one. <laughs> <coughs> so, <coughs> the, uh, I don't know, one of, one of my favorite stories, I love reading the Gospels, I lo I, is the Canaanite woman 
who Jesus calls a dog. She, Jesus was here on a mission sent by the Father to deal with the Israelites. And so really he gave, he was like, I'm not really here for you. But she was, she was determined. And she, uh, she was called a dog. She was uh, asked to leave by the disciples. She had to repeatedly come to this loving God. And, and again, another example of somebody who humbles themselves and, get, and kneels before him, and he can't help himself. He can't help himself. He, he says, woman, your faith is great. And so the determined faith sees the healing of God. And so this is another um, point that you have to realize is that have you ever been in a situation where you worship God and then nothing happens? Well, Jesus says, knock and the door will be open. Seek and you shall find. Keep going. Have a determined faith. Because where else are you going to go? You know, that's it. And, and at the end of the day, remember, he's, sometimes he's kind of stern. But he loves you. And so if he's not giving you an answer right away like you think he should, he's doing it because he loves you. There's a good reason for it. So we need to have a determined faith. And we need to come with repentance to God. Can I get somebody, get, give me some music? I'm, I'm about to close here. There's a, in John chapter 13, oh, the Bible says that the disciple whom Jesus loved was sitting like this. And this is Jesus right here. He's up on his bosom. He's leaning on his chest. So intimate with God. So close. And at this time, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And, and they're all asking why. What, what, who? Who's it going to be? And Peter's over here, and he's, he's looking at the disciple whom Jesus loved, probably John. And he's like motioning to him. Ask him, who's he talking about? Who is it? And Jesus says, I'm going to take this bread and I'm going to put it in some oil and whoever I pass it to, that's who it's going to be. And he passes it to Judas. And so the Bible says that everybody thought that Judas left because he had to go give money to the poor, but the disciple whom Jesus loved knew. That's why it's important to be close to God, to be intimate with him, because he catches things that other people miss. When Jesus had been resurrected, the disciples were on a boat fishing all night. They didn't catch anything. And they saw a man at the beach, and he said, you didn't catch anything. Throw it over to the side. They did. They caught a whole bunch of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said, it's the Lord. Out of all the 12, he recognized them. And so you want to know where the joy and the peace is and the patience and kindness is right there. Whatever you got to do to be that close and intimate with God, where he's your best friend. The Bible says, if you draw near unto me, I will draw near unto you. Man, there's no higher aim. There's no higher goal. Because if you've tasted the Lord, you know how sweet it is. Everything fades away. But God wants something real from us. He wants something real. And you will get something real in return. I want to give, give everybody here an opportunity um, to reach out to God. Reach out to God with with uh, knowing that he's all that we need. Come with humility. Come with repentance. I'm not, 
I want I want people to come up and I'm not interested in in really if you have a need like a healing or, or money issue but I want to pray for people who want to repent I want to pray for people who are maybe scared that they're not hungry the Bible says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness but what if you don't feel hungry you know what Satan does is he makes he makes it seem like a mountain getting back to that place. But it's not a mountain. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to cry for it. It's available to you. Jesus is reaching out his hand. And we just need to come to him the way we already know we need to. So I'm opening it up. I want to pray for whoever wants to come up and and cry out to God. I invite you to come up right now. Thank you, Father.